took a big chunk bleeding. It's bleeding. I know it's bleeding. The thing just ripped me ear off. What do you think? Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the final Eddie and Steve-O, the podcast of 2020. Not long to go now before the big day, but Christmas came early this week for the Lee Centurions, who have been confirmed as the 12th Super League club for 2021. The six-man judging panel, led by Chairman Lord Jonathan Kane, arrived at their conclusion that Lee was the best bet for 2021. So they joined the elite for the first time, since 2017. Steve-O has been watching events down under in Australia. Steve-O, they beat off strong opposition and impressive bids too from the other five clubs, hoping Bradford, Featherstone, Toulouse, London and York. But now we know Lee are the club. Do you welcome them with open arms? I think we've got to say yes. Congratulations to them. Obviously, they put up a, a very good proposal. Um, I'm a little bit surprised. I thought that the favourites would have been Toulouse. And it really did shock me in regards to the fact that in 2018, I can remember where Lee, I think they were playing against my old club, Dewsbury, they could only get 13 players. They didn't have any substitutes. And they had two injuries in the first 10 minutes. So they were down to actually playing 11 players against Dewsbury, and it was at that time, financially, they were out on their feet. It looked as though they were going to be completely gone. And what a fight back. So you've got to congratulate them. Indeed. We'll we look at the, the new signings they've made for 2021 a little bit later on. Um, you're right. Uh, Toulouse probably were the favourites. But I think, I don't know whether you agree with this, uncertainty over the travel amidst the pandemic it, it probably counted against them just now? Well, it shouldn't. It's, it's a matter of if you're going to expand, you've got to make sure that they can get the amount of money to overcome that. We've often spoke about the expansion. I suppose in many ways they'll think, well, we brought Newcastle into the premiership. I hardly call that as a great expansion, and I, I have to agree with the Toulouse coach, uh, Hules, who has made it quite clear. He was disappointed, rightly so. And he said, well, why do we call it Super League Europe when there's well, only because, one? Because the Catalan uh, are there, Steve. Catalans are there. Yeah, but, yeah, but you'd, you'd think that if they want to expand, they always talk about the Derby games. And I think perhaps that has had an influence on the committee in regards to the fact that Wigan, St. Helens, they're so close. It's not too far to get to Warrington either. So maybe money, once again, has come to the fore. And I well, agree I, I agree with Hules. You know, why call it Super League Europe when they're not allowing an expansion? You imagine the amount of people, the youngsters that would want to play when the Derby game was in, between Catalan and Toulouse. Quite frankly, I think they've missed a golden opportunity, but I can only just sit back and congratulate Lee. But there again, it's going to be a big problem for them, isn't it? 
Well, it, it is. I mean, Lee Lee would be happy, I'm sure, just to survive in, in 2021. Just on the Toulouse thing for a moment. Um, the clubs in Super League now are asked to pay, I mean, some of them pay £30,000 to hire private planes to get them down to Perpignan. You would be asking them maybe to do £30,000 time two, £60,000, to do the trip twice to Toulouse uh, and to Catalan. And we're not even thinking there about the, the Challenge Cup um, and moving forward. So I think, I think the travel, I, think, I really do think the travel came into it. But it shouldn't. We talk about it. I mean, listen, when Catalan came in, they had to start at the bottom, go all the way through, right through to Super League. And then you start thinking, oh, well, it costs us a lot of money to get there. You can't just say, oh, well, we'll have to keep it up north because we can't afford to make a trip overseas. They can't afford to make a trip to Toronto. That's one of the major reasons that I suppose where they have not been included. It's disappointing as far as I'm concerned. I was always thinking about the expansion of it. And like I said before, what a great derby contest that would have been between Toulouse and Catalan. Yeah, now, I agree with uh, you in many ways. I do. Yeah, but you, you just can't say, oh, well, it's too expensive. If you're running a competition, this is not just one club. This is a competition, Super League Europe. Now, if they can't arrange their finances to ensure that they can make the trip to, to, Toulouse, uh, to Catalan, and also if Toulouse would have been selected, then they're not running the game correctly. Well, there's also no television right. deal in place down there either, is there? So it would have been two clubs that we would have seen very rarely on the TV uh, up here. Well, maybe if they had that derby game between Toulouse and Catalan, maybe the French TV companies would have said, yes, we want that. We'll wrap it up. I know it is a problem. And, you know, I've got to go back to David Hughes, who's was very, very humble in regards to saying congratulations to Lee. They beat their their uh, submission. And David Hughes has been absolutely spot on when he says congratulations to Lee. But the other 11 Super League clubs, they're greedy. They're allowing Lee to come in. They'll only get one million. Whereas all the other 11 Super League clubs are going to get at least 1.8 million. So let's say Lee are going in behind the eight ball before the season kicks off. They're only going to have to have 50% finance. It's, well, it is. David Hughes is spot on by saying those 11 clubs are greedy. Well, even if London had come in, uh, or Toulouse, or Featherstone, or York, or Bradford, even if they'd, they would also have been operating under the the same financial strictures, wouldn't they? So yes, but, it, but they it's told wrong. You what it's, the rules were? Well, yes, they had because they had, they were left with no other option. Simple as that. Now, look, it was a wonderful opportunity for say all the fans. The Leaf fans are cock a hoop. They're just saying, "Wow, we're back in Super League. It's fantastic." But the percentage and chance of them surviving is about the same as what they're going to get with the money. Half of it, 50%. Yeah, it's a 50-50 call, you're right. London, you've mentioned them, they're the last 
championship club before Toronto to be promoted to Super League. Um, I'm wondering what counted against them. A, a lot of people in the North are suggesting uncertainty over their home ground. They are a little bit nomadic, the, the London club, aren't they? They certainly are, but uh, the one thing that they're trying to do is is create to get get a, a regular home there. But once again, finances come into it. They're trying to build it up. I remember when they were down down at Charlton, they were really really going well. They had a great side. They were very much competitive. In fact, when they're at Charlton, I think they finished the second or third uh, in the league table, and it was at that point where. Sadly, Charlton got promoted into the top division. And the rules of the top division by the FA said that no other sport could be played on their ground. So they had to be nomadic and had to start looking for many, many more stadiums. Yeah, they did well to survive all that. Uh, I remember going to Charlton uh, one midweek night. It was... It was fantastic. Wasn't it London against Paris? And didn't they virtually fill the valley? It was a great night, remember? Was yeah. It, was it Paris it, or was it Bradford? I can't, go, I can't remember. Uh, I think both of those games actually attracted one of their largest crowds. Yeah, it was, great. And it was a great the, night. Yeah, and, and on top of that, you know, you talk about the, the PR exercises. They were just in the throes of season ticket holders that were watching Charlton Athletic football would get a, uh, a reducted price, reduction in the price of becoming and watching the rugby league side. They were just on the verge of doing that. They get promoted and the FA say, no, no other sport can play because they wanted the pitch to be pristine. You can't blame the FA for doing that. They were, that was in the rules and regulations. At that time, you're right, it was. I mean, the, the, this, this sport, Steve, or rugby league, it, it, it is a sport that is littered with ifs, ands, buts and maybes, isn't it? You know, if only, you know, we, how many times have you said that? If only we could do this. What happens if we do that? You know, it's, it, it, it's a dilemma for the game, it is. Well, it certainly is. And uh, I mean, there, there is a problem. As I mentioned, 2018, Lee, they were financially out on their feet. They were looking to, you know, the man left and then he came back. Broadbent's done a, a, a damn fine job. Uh, but when you when you just look at it, there, there's just no area for expansion. Maybe what you suggested earlier, maybe these, these committee and the people that made the decision will think, well, at least we've got Newcastle into the Betfred Championship. But <laughs> Newcastle was gate set. It isn't as though it's a brand new team we're bringing in. They just changed the name. I look at it now, north of England, 11. South of England, 1. France, 1. Well, when It's Lee not were, good. It's not good. No. No, it, it, geographically it isn't, but let's hope it will be a, a, a fantastic competition uh, in 2021. Looking in the history books, 2005, uh, Lee got into Super League for the first time. They exited that year with just two wins under their belt. They've got to do better this time. Uh, what chances of their survival? As I mentioned before, 50% what they're getting in finances. Well, if they win 50%, they might be in the top four. 
Well, yeah, well, you never know, but <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way, in, in as much that uh, there can't be many people at Lee are confident that they are going to survive. An old friend of mine rang me only two days ago and he said, I wonder if Lee will change their name to Toronto Lee because they'll probably buy five or six of those players. I think they've already bought three, haven't they? Yeah, they've got a few. And they are back in training already. Joe Meller, um, Ryan Briley, they're back. And they say they've got a squad there with Super League, NRL and international experience. There's Jamie Ellis, there's Junior Sow, Matty Russell, Ben Flower, Alex Gerrard, Jordan Thompson, Nathaniel Petteru. I could go on. 11 new signings in all. By the looks of things, they're going to have a dig. Yeah, well, they, they did the last time they were in Super League. I think they beat Wigan, St. Helens. Look, they're not going to just roll over, but it's going to be difficult for them. Difficulty in the fact that if they get four or five injuries, they're going to struggle. If you're going to win the grand final or even get to the grand final, you've got to have depth and only the big clubs. And when you look at the teams that have won the Super League, there's not many that have lifted the trophy. And the reason why they lift the trophy, because they've got good depth. When an injury comes in, they've got someone to take over. I don't think they are even considering the grand final. The, the grand final, I no, suggest, but, you know, I'm would be I'm making the point. To be successful and to lift that trophy, You've got to have depth, and I'm afraid, yeah. and, and I'm afraid that <laughs> with half the money, they won't be able to get top quality players. I know you've mentioned, happy, as I say, they, if they finish eleventh next year, they will survive, and they will be the happiest club in the country. Well, they're probably uh, earmarked already: Hulkington Rovers and Wakefield. That'll be the, the. They'll just say, "We've got to win more games." than those two other clubs, and we're safe. And they, they're, they're capable of doing that. Well, hopefully. John Duffy is the man with the responsibility of coaching the team. He becomes the third league coach to have a bash in Super League. A lot of people outside of the game will be saying, John who? Because he's, he's obviously cut his teeth in the uh, League One and the Championship. This is a, a massive challenge for him as well, isn't it? Sure is, and uh, I'm sure that he's working hard. I mean, it, he's been a, an assistant coach on quite a few different teams. Um, I'm not saying that uh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He may bring something that is completely fresh to our game. He may do so many tactics. I mean, over the past few years, we have had quite a lot of the games, maybe about 70% of the games where it's been just bash and barge, and then kick and chase. Bash and barge, kick and chase. Maybe you might bring a new, different aura to our game. I hope so. But it's going to yeah. be difficult for them. It is. It is. And fingers crossed for John Duffy and Lee. We mentioned that the championship and the, the race for promotion in 2021 to replace whoever finishes 12th in 2021 in the Super League will be... Hugely intense, won't it? At least five clubs now who didn't get into Super League will think that they've got a real chance. 
Yeah, well, those clubs will probably have a, a positive spin on the fact that they didn't get into Super League because the way that Lee has bought so many players, brought in some experience, they would have been very, very difficult if they were kept down in the championship. They would have been hard to beat. So maybe Lee might think, well, I wonder if we would have stayed in the championship, we would have got promoted for 2022. And guess what? In 2022, they won't get one million. They'll get the full 1.8 million. So it could be adverse. It could be detrimental to Lee to actually go into Super League this season. Well, it's been a, a tremendous discussion about, about Lee. It obviously is the biggest news in the Northern Hemisphere right now. We'll come on to what's happening down under in a moment with Steve-O, but uh, let's just take a breather uh, now for the answers to last week's quiz question set by the one and only Ian Proctor, the brain of Britain. Last week's question centred around the fantastic effort by Kevin Sinfield in running seven marathons in seven days in aid of motor neuron disease and, of course, his pal and former teammate, Rob Burrow. The first question from Ian last week centred around the Man of the Match Award in an Old Trafford Premiership or Grand Final. Kevin and Rob won the Harry Sunderland Award twice each during their glittering careers. Who were the other five players who achieved that? Let's find out. Ian, it's all yours. And the answers were Alan Tate for Witness, who won the award in 89 and 90 in Premiership Finals. Andy Farrell did so for Wigan in 1996 and 1997. Chris Joint was unique in that he won his first Harry Sunderland Award in 1993 in the Premiership Final and then did it in 2000 in the Grand Final, both against Wigan. Danny Maguire won it twice in 2015 and 2017 for Leeds. And James Roby just joined that list by winning it for a second time this year, having won it in 2014 when Saints defeated Wigan. And the other part of the questions was about Kevin Sinfield and Rob Burrow playing in the Academy Grand Final in 1999 and then winning the Super League Grand Final in 2004. And I asked, could you name the other four players from Leeds who were, who were alongside them in those two matches? The answers were Mark Calderwood on the wing, Chev Walker at centre, Matt Diskin, who was man of the match in that Super League Grand Final at Hooker, and Jamie Jones-Buchanan, who came off the subs bench. Thanks very much, Ian. And of course, we will have more brain teasers from the great Ian Proctor next season. And by the way, Steve-O, talking about Kevin Sinfield and Rob Burrow, Kevin's efforts at fundraising have now reached more than £2,563,000. That's remarkable. And there is a petition online with more than 30,000 signatures calling on the powers that be to nominate Kevin Sinfield for a knighthood in recognition of his incredible efforts. I mean, we would add our names to that wholeheartedly, wouldn't we? Arise, Sir Kev. Well, we, we often said it over the many years that we worked at Sky, Eddie. We nicknamed him, didn't we? We did. Sir Kev. Arise, Sir Kev. He's he been was a Sir fan... Kev of Headingley then, though, wasn't he? Now he'd be Sir Kev of Sir Kevland. He would be... Sir Kev of Great Britain, the UK, the world. 
Well, he would become the only second person attached to rugby league to be nominated and given the honour of becoming a sir. If it was up to me, yes. If it was up to a lot of people in rugby league, the effort he did for that seven marathons in seven days was outstanding. And the money, I hope, just keeps getting higher and higher. Rise, Sir Kev. Listen, you 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 met Her Majesty, didn't you, when you um, when you received your MBE some time ago? You you must have you must have the ear of uh, of Her Royal Highness. Surely you could you could give it a bell and and put a word in for Kevin, couldn't you? Well, I certainly would, but for some <laughs> unknown reason, she does not return my call. <laughs> <laughs> you could you'd have to go on on one of these three platforms as well now that you're down in Australia because it costs you a fortune to try and ring them up. Yeah, well, well I'll tell you that seriously, seriously, uh, Rodney Walker was the first sir within our game for his services to rugby league. Yeah. And it would be absolutely fantastic if in the New Year's Honour list, Sir Kevin gets yeah. it. Gets yeah. the sword, sword on the shoulder. He deserves it. Well, it's not New Year. The, the, the birthday honours middle of next year. Let, let, let's keep our fingers crossed and let's keep the momentum going, everybody. OK, uh, look, you, you've got nothing much better to do right now than, than sit in the sunshine down there in Australia, gin and tonic in hand. Yes, I have seen the photo, by the way. And, and reading the papers, uh, what's making the headlines down there this week? Well, the big headline is that uh, the Penrith star prop forward Zane Tetevano has evidently been offered a three-year deal by Leeds Rhinos no? for 1.5 million Australian dollars, which at my latest calculation is £850,000 for a three-year deal. Now, is a talent... Tetevano is a very, very good player. He's versatile. He, he, he can play prop. He can play second row. He can actually play uh, loose forward. He's got good history. He's played for the Cook Islands. He's only 30 years of age. And that's nothing for a, a, a forward, especially a prop forward. No, he's coming uh, into his pomp, isn't he? Yeah, and he's, he's represented New Zealand. Um I, I think he's a talent. You know, he, he made his name actually playing for the Sydney Roosters, uh, 2018, 2019. Uh, he played there. And in fact, it's an interesting story about um, Trent Robinson, uh, who is the coach of the Roosters, of course. Um, when he picked the team to go into the 2019 Grand Final, uh, he was on the team sheet and for some unknown reason, he was dropped off the team sheet and did not make it onto the field of play. Now, after the game, Trent Robinson was so disappointed that he had to keep him away from the lineup that he actually gave him his winning gold grand final ring. Wow. Actually, he pre presented it to uh, Zane Tetevano. Is a talent, but uh, eight hundred and fifty thousand. Boy, oh boy, that's a lot of money. Well, but he'll is. become he'll become a marquee player. This, that's the only reason why they can do that. Well, but well, he will. And are, I take it that that's not a year. That's that's over the course of the th contract. No, it's for, th 
That's for three years. Okay. Okay. One point five million dollars. Dear to me, we're getting into football stage if you're thinking that. Well, exactly. We've talked about the financial problems that the clubs are having many, many times over the past nine weeks. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see whether that one pans out. I, I see Kevin uh, Walters has moved in at Brisbane as well. Uh, yes. Um, he's really trying to get the Broncos back into their winning ways. They had an awful season last year, finishing with a wooden spoon the first time they've actually done that. Uh, it's not going to be easy for, for Walters, but it is still leaving two positions open. Uh, he's been very coy about uh, who he wants to bring in and put on board, but he's left two positions open and he just keeps saying, watch this space. Okay. Uh, I know we've named the dream team in Super League and the best team that's knocking around in the NRL already this year. But uh, right now, here on Eddie and Steve-O, the podcast, this is a this is a world exclusive. We have the World 13 as named, <laughs> as named by the man himself. Steve-O, the whole world now is waiting with bated breath. So go on, give us the names of your ultimate 13 players 2020. Well, there's quite a few Australians in there, Eddie, as you as you would imagine. What a surprise. Uh, well, number one, I've gone Tedesco from the Roosters. Absolutely fantastic player. Links into the three-quarter line with so much ease. Got a great step. Wonderful player. Adokar, Josh Adokar from the Melbourne Storm. He's had a tremendous season. And here's a bit of a surprise for you. In the centres, I've gone for a guy called Bradman Best, who plays for the Newcastle Knights. Now, not a lot of people in the UK would even know of this young player, but I'm tipping him to become the biggest centre and the biggest star in rugby league over the next two years. Okay. Number four in the other position in the centres is Stephen Crichton. From the Panthers, he's had a fantastic, fantastic season. Got plenty of speed. Uh, stand off. This was difficult. I you missed the winger off. Watch. You missed the winger off. Oh, sorry, number five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> you noticed, did you? Yeah. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you. It's it's St. Helens winger Regan Grace. I thought he had oh. a great season. Yeah, my eye. <laughs> yeah. My gets in. Oh, my word. My word. My word. Put it down. Now then, number six. I was undecided between Jack Whiten from the Raiders, but I've gone for Cameron Munster uh, of the Melbourne Storm. Solid player, hard as nails. And here's another brick for you. Number seven, George Williams from the Raiders. Good luck. He's had a great season. Well, he's, t- he's, taken, he's taken the NRL by storm. He really has had a fantastic, fantastic season. Yeah, he didn't get any Pro- awards from them, though, did he? You know, you're right, he did, but the, the, the people who make the award down there, they didn't give him any recognition at all. They went on about him every week. He doesn't make the, the team of the year. Eddie, do you think that the Aussies are going <laughs> to give an award to a pommy? Well, we do. We give it to the Aussies up here. Anyway, go on. George Williams is in. That's two. Yeah, well, well, that's two I, Brits. I know we do. I mean, how many, how many men of steel have, have been Australian? Yeah, it's... Uh, listen... 
you'd have to you'd have to sit on a bloke for about four or five hours, bend his arm, bend his leg, bend his toes to say, give George Williams the credit he deserves. And he did. He's had a fantastic season. He and here's prop. another brick for you, the prop oh. forward. Alex Wormsley, I bet. Yep. Oh. You picked you picked it in one. Well done. And and here's another one. Another Brit. As a hooker. Now we have some great hookers around the world. Cameron Smith, Brandon Smith. Look, they're great hookers, aren't they? Yes. Well, have a guess. Well, it's got to be the Man of Steel, I suppose, has it? Paul McShane. Yep. Paul oh, McShane. Wow. Yeah, well, yeah. well, we're up to four. Go on. <laughs> well, don't hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, the other the other prop is uh, from the Canberra Raiders again, Josh Papale. Boy, if you have not seen this guy play, they often call about the, you know, the bone cruncher and the way that it just goes through the wrecking ball. He is amazing. He is one of the fastest, strongest prop forwards I think I've seen for many, many a year. The second row, I've gone for Angus Crichton from the Roosters. This guy averages 40 tackles per game. This is a player that you need in your squad time and time again. And the other second rower from the Melbourne Storm is Felice Cafalsi. And another wrecking ball. Big, strong, hard to stop. And I'm finishing off with the loose forward from North Queensland, Jason Tamalolo. Another wrecking ball. And boy, these guys can play. I've even gone for an Australian coach of this world team. And that's no Ivan Cleary <laughs> from the Penrith Panthers. Well, you've upset everyone up here already. I mean, I did, well, listen, that, that, you've been doing that for, for donkey's years. But only, only four British players, and one of them's played in the NRL. So really, only three true blue Brits have made your world 13. That's a disgrace. No, it's not a disgrace. <laughs> I'm honest. Okay. I'll try to be honest. I just uh, These are the best players I've seen this year. It's as simple as that. If you I'm... want to complain, send a letter to Eddie. I'm going to give you an address <laughs> out, Eddie. Eddie. <laughs> I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Listen, I, I'm, ju I'm just amazed that you had enough time in 2020 to sit in front of your television and watch all these Australian players perform. Have you got, well, mind you, you've been in lockdown, haven't you, in London, I suppose? Yeah, well, I'm surprised you don't realise that television can get to quite a few people. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're in lockdown, yes, that's all you've got left. Okay. I, I, I used to, I, I got halfway through my book on poetry, uh, so I, I went back to the TV. Hang on, you've, Listen, written, a book, you've written a book on poetry. No, no, I re well, I have actually, but uh, it, it it was never published. <laughs> but I'm ho I'm hoping one day, uh, and and don't laugh. It it's it's poetry all about sport. A lot uh, of uh, a lot of rugby league in there as well. Are the limericks or <laughs> the proper poems? You shouldn't swear on on, on podcasts, Eddie. <laughs> Listen, I'm, talking about, and I know Ivan Cleary, the, the Panthers coach, I thought he had a fantastic season there. But talking about coaches, uh, there's a lot of lot of Tory about, of course, you know, Cameron Smith. He still has not 
decided to tell the world, and it's getting past a joke. There are so many, so many people in the in the media saying this is this is getting serious now. Why doesn't it tell us? He's already bought a, a house up in Queensland, so he's not going to live down in in Melbourne anymore. Last week we told him that the the guy who owns the Melbourne Storm says he's going back to going back to, to, to Queensland. Yeah. He won't be playing won't be playing down in uh, Melbourne anymore. People think that he's going to play for the Titans. He may well. Walters, Kevin Walters has said is an option to leave two players open to sign. Has the money to do that? Would it be Cameron Smith? Would he do it his final one? It's very difficult, but the Melbourne Storm coach, Craig Bellamy, has made it quite clear that next season, that's it. He's going to retire. A, well, bit of a, a bit of a shock. And everyone's saying, well, surely his assistant coach, which is a man called Jason Riles, a very, very talented coach in his own right, they say that, well, obviously, he'll take over. Well, the answer to that is no, because Jason Riles has been tapped up by Eddie Jones, the England rugby union coach, and he's bringing Jason Riles on as an assistant. He's getting out of rugby league and into union. All right, okay, another one goes. Excuse, excuse yeah, me while I that, cough. That, that, must have, <coughs> that must have stuck in your throat, that, that news. It really it, must have done. It did. You Amaz <coughs> amazing, that the, the, <laughs> amazing that there's so much uh, controversy and discussion about Cameron Smith. Um, he doesn't even make Steve-O's World 13. McShane takes the honours from Castleford. Who, we are asking up here, who is Cameron Smith? <laughs> he was the best hooker I've ever seen. No, he's a great player. A great can't great take player. it away. Can't take it away from him, but you can't take away from the effort from McShane this year. No, definitely the not. Castleford Tigers. I think he's been outstanding. And, okay, uh, you, go on. And last you, one. You last know, one. last comment. You know, last you know, last week we we spoke we spoke about about how Stuart Cummins was getting all the international coaches yes. together, and there will be one set of rules and laws of the game worldwide for, for the internationals the for the upcoming internationals and of course the World Cup. Yeah. Well, we mentioned that last week. Two days later, the NRL the NRL executives. Changes the rules of the game. <laughs> five, oh. five new rules, one of which is a drop goal from outside the 40-meter mark. Well, won't be one point. will be two points. I now, bet you're ecstatic. I bet well, you're ecstatic. Well, well, well I, I can remember it was two points when I played at Dewsbury. When, uh, that's way back in the late 60s. Well, you're when showing two, your age two, now. You're showing two, your two age. Points, two points for a drop goal. But the, probably the, the best thing that's come out of it is, is the one that if a man or a ball goes into touch, it won't be setting a scrum down. It will be a turnover, six to go to the opposition. Now, a lot of people are saying, yeah, great rule. But remember all those players, and we used to say, Teddy, time and time again, oh, 
he has one of the best kicking games in rugby league. Because when you maybe lead in by eight points or ten points, you could utilize your kicker downfield, put it over the <laughs> the sideline, and that would give you maybe a minute or even longer to set up the scrum. And if you're waiting, say, five or six minutes away from uh, from the final whistle, it's an advantage. Well, I'm afraid all those players with a good kicking game, you may as well forget about it. Because as soon as you're kicking it in, they won't be hanging around. They won't be standing around like we had this season uh, in the UK where they put the time clock on. Oh, no. They will be putting the ball 10 metres in where the man or the ball has gone over the touchline and they will be playing the ball quickly. Well, that would make a, lot a change. Of, a lo- that will yeah, make well, a change. I mean, you're well, right. The shot clock is in operation up here and down in Australia. Um, but they still took their full 25 or 30 seconds to get in line, the, 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 the defending players getting in line at the play the ball. So now you're saying that the shot clock won't come in, it'll just be get on with it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. When, when, as soon as any of the opposition, they'll be eager to get the ball from the ball boy or if the ball's just bouncing around. And they'll be bring it back 10 metres in, playing the ball as quickly as possible. A lot of the coaches have said, yeah, it's great, but there's going to be a lot of fatigue, especially late in the game. And I mentioned it oh, many weeks ago, Eddie, about the fact that, that they may have to increase having four substitutes. Maybe they'll have to go to six substitutes because this is going to make the game so fast, unbelievably fast. Well, it will. And I can, I can think of a few players who will be delighted that they have hung up their boots in the past 12 months because that that could easily uh, catch them out. Okay, look, we're we're just about out of time. Uh, What do the next couple of months have in store for you, old boy? Should we we come back again in January and do once a month before the start of the new season? How about that? Oh, it sounds good. I think we've irritated quite a lot of people over over in England. So why miss out? We may as well just irritate somebody in January, then February, and then we can go... Right into it, 2021 Rugby League season, Eddie and Steve-O. We're here again. We will Looking be. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we will be. We will be. And it all starts again, of course, on March the 11th. The fixtures, no doubt, will be out by the time we come back in the new year. Look, happy Christmas, old fella. And uh, more importantly, we're all hoping for a peaceful and a healthy 2021. Have a great Christmas, Steve-O. We'll see you in the new year. Same to you, Eddie, and all Rugby League fans all over the world. Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.